You're listening to a Glassbox Media Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, you're about to hear from our sponsors. Sponsors make it possible for this show to continue. That said, we recognize that some listeners will prefer to get rid of sponsorship messages and advertisements. If that's you, please consider signing up for the ad-free version of this show. Head on over to icantsleep.supportingcast.fm to sign up and listen on your podcast player of choice. Use code SLEEP for one free month of the subscription. And now, a word from our sponsors. If you love falling asleep to the I Can't Sleep podcast, I think I know of a brand new show for you to wake up to. The Daily Book Club is a podcast where the host, Otis Gray, reads classic stories every day, one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Hear amazing tales read start to finish. Whether you want to get engaged and wrapped up in fantastic stories that have stood the test of time, or you just want to relax and listen to a great book, The Daily Book Club is there for you to get lost in however you like. Right now, Otis is reading The Enchanted April. In the 1920s, four women, unfulfilled with life, take a chance and abscond to a dreamy medieval Italian castle in the month of April as the flowers bloom. It's a story dripping with wisteria, the beauty of solitude, and an unlikely pursuit of joy in Portofino, Italy. A perfect book to start this season. You can find The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and tune in each morning to hear what happens next. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast, where I read random articles to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. I'm your host, Benjamin Boster. Today's episode is from a Wikipedia article titled, Moon. As more people discover the benefits of fasting, including weight loss, enhanced mental and physical performance, and improved gut health, the challenge often lies in the daunting prospect of not eating. That's where Prolon comes in, a groundbreaking plant-based nutrition program that nourishes your body while tricking your cells into thinking they're fasting. Developed over decades at the University of Southern California's Longevity Institute and supported by top U.S. medical centers, Prolon is designed to maintain healthy blood sugar levels support cardiovascular health, and help reduce abdominal fat. However, Prolon is not just a diet. It's a science-driven approach rooted in Nobel Prize-winning medical research. The journey with Prolon begins with a five-day regimen of snacks, soups, and beverages, all crafted to sustain a fasting state. Choosing a nutrition program can be daunting, yet Prolon would be at the top of my list for its convenience, scientific backing, and effectiveness. It's no surprise that thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon to foster healthy blood sugar and cardiovascular health. Right now, Prolon is offering I Can't Sleep listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash I Can't Sleep. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash I Can't Sleep for this special offer. That's prolonlife.com slash I Can't Sleep. And thank you to Prolon for sponsoring the podcast. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. 
They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Earth's moon is an astronomical body that orbits the planet and acts as its only permanent natural satellite. It is the fifth largest satellite in the solar system and the largest among planetary satellites relative to the size of the planet that it orbits, its primary. The moon is, after Jupiter's satellite Io, the second densest satellite in the solar system, among those whose densities are known. The moon is thought to have formed about 4.51 billion years ago, not long after Earth. The most widely accepted explanation is that the moon formed from the debris left over after a giant impact between Earth and a Mars-sized body called Theia. New research of moon rocks, although not rejecting the Theia hypothesis, suggests that the moon may be older than previously thought. The moon is in synchronous rotation with Earth, and thus always shows the same side to Earth, the near side. The near side is marked by dark volcanic maria that fill the spaces between the bright ancient crustal highlands and the prominent impact craters. After the sun, the moon is the second brightest regularly visible celestial object in Earth's sky. Its surface is actually dark, although compared to the night sky it appears very bright, with a reflectance just slightly higher than that of worn asphalt. Its gravitational influence produces the ocean tides, body tides, and the slight lengthening of the day. The moon's average orbital distance is 384,402 kilometers, or 1.28 light seconds. This is about 30 times the diameter of Earth. The moon's apparent size in the sky is almost the same as that of the sun, since the star is about 400 times the lunar distance and diameter. Therefore, the moon covers the sun nearly precisely during a total solar eclipse. This matching of apparent visual size will not continue in the far future because the moon's distance from Earth is gradually increasing. The moon was first reached in September 1959 by the Soviet Union's Luna 2, an unmanned spacecraft, followed by the first successful soft landing by Luna 9 in 1966. The United States NASA Apollo program achieved the only manned lunar missions to date, 
beginning with the first manned orbital mission by Apollo 8 in 1968 and six manned landings between 1969 and 1972, with the first being Apollo 11 in July 1969. These missions returned lunar rocks which have been used to develop a geological understanding of the moon's origin, internal structure, and the moon's later history. Since the 1972 Apollo 17 mission, the moon has been visited only by unmanned spacecraft. Both the moon's natural prominence in the earthly sky and its regular cycle of phases as seen from Earth have provided cultural references and influences for human societies and cultures since time immemorial. Such cultural influences can be found in language, lunar calendar systems, art, and mythology. The usual English proper name for Earth's natural satellite is the Moon, which in non-scientific texts is usually not capitalized. The noun Moon is derived from Old English Mona, which, like all Germanic language cognates, stems from Proto-Germanic Meno, which comes from Proto-Indo-European means Moon, Month which comes from the Proto-Indo-European root me, to measure, the month being the ancient unit of time measured by the moon. Occasionally the name Luna is used. In literature, especially science fiction, Luna is used to distinguish it from other moons, while in poetry, the name has been used to denote personification of Earth's moon. The modern English adjective pertaining to the moon is lunar, derived from the Latin word for the moon, luna. The adjective selenic, usually only used to refer to the chemical element selenium, is so rarely used to refer to the moon that this meaning is not recorded in most major dictionaries. It is derived from the ancient Greek word for the moon, selena, from which is however, also derived the prefix seleno, as in selenography, the study of the physical features of the moon, as well as the element named selenium. Both the Greek goddess Selena and Roman goddess Diana were alternatively called Cynthia. The names Luna, Cynthia, and Selene are reflected in terminology for lunar orbits in words such as Mapalune, Parasynthian, and Selenocentric. The name Diana comes from the Proto-Indo-European Dio, heavenly, which comes from the Pi root Dieu, to shine, which in many derivatives means sky, heaven, and God, and is also the origin of Latin Dies, day. The moon formed 4.51 billion years ago, some 60 million years after the origin of the solar system. Several forming mechanisms have been proposed, including the fission of the moon from Earth's crust through centrifugal force, which would require too great an initial spin of Earth, the gravitational capture of a preformed moon, 
which would require an unfeasibly extended atmosphere of Earth to dissipate the energy of the passing moon, and the co-formation of Earth and the moon together in the primordial accretion disk, which does not explain the depletion of metals in the moon. These hypotheses also cannot account for the high angular momentum of the Earth-Moon system. The prevailing hypothesis is that the Earth-Moon system formed after an impact of a Mars-sized body named Theia, with the proto-Earth giant impact. The impact blasted material into Earth's orbit, and then the material accreted and formed the Moon. The moon's far side has a crust that is 50 kilometers thicker than that of the near side. This is thought to be because the moon fused from two different bodies. This hypothesis, although not perfect, perhaps best explains the evidence. 18 months prior to an October 1984 conference on lunar origins, Bill Hartman, Roger Phillips, and Jeff Taylor challenged fellow lunar scientists. You have 18 months. Go back to your Apollo data. Go back to your computer. Do whatever you have to, but make up your mind. Don't come to our conference unless you have something to say about the moon's birth. At the 1984 conference at Kona, Hawaii, the giant impact hypothesis emerged as the most consensual theory. Before the conference, there were partisans of the three traditional theories plus a few people who were starting to take the giant impact seriously. And there was a huge, apathetic middle who didn't think the debate would ever be resolved. Afterward, there were essentially only two groups, the giant impact camp and the agnostics. Giant impacts are thought to have been common in the early solar system. Computer simulations of giant impacts have produced results that are consistent with the mass of the lunar core and the angular momentum of the Earth-Moon system. These simulations also show that most of the Moon derived from the impactor rather than the proto-Earth. However, more recent simulations suggest a larger fraction of the Moon derived from the proto-Earth. Other bodies of the inner solar system, such as Mars and Vesta, have, according to meteorites from them, very different oxygen and tungsten isotopic compositions compared to Earth. However, Earth and the Moon have nearly identical isotopic compositions. The isotopic equalization of the Earth-Moon system might be explained by the post-impact mixing of the vaporized material that formed the two although this is debated. The impact released a lot of energy, and then the released material re-accreted into the Earth-Moon system. This would have melted the outer shell of Earth, and thus formed a magma ocean. Similarly, the newly formed moon would also have been affected and had its own lunar magma ocean. Its depth is estimated from about 500 kilometers to 1,737 kilometers. While the giant impact hypothesis might explain many lines of evidence, some questions are still unresolved, most of which involve the moon's composition. 
In 2001, a team at the Carnegie Institute of Washington reported the most precise measurement of the isotopic signatures of lunar rocks. To their surprise, the rocks from the Apollo program had the same isotopic signatures as rocks from Earth. However, they differed from almost all other bodies in the solar system. Indeed, this observation was unexpected because most of the material that formed the moon was thought to come from Theia, and it was announced in 2007 that there was less than a percent chance that Theia and Earth had identical isotopic signatures. Although Apollo lunar samples had in 2012 the same titanium isotopes composition as Earth, which conflicts with what is expected if the moon formed far from Earth or is derived from Theia, these discrepancies may be explained by variations of the giant impact hypothesis. The moon is a differentiated body. It has a geochemically distinct crust, mantle, and core. The moon has a solid, iron-rich inner core with a radius possibly as small as 240 kilometers and a fluid outer core primarily made of liquid iron, with a radius of roughly 300 kilometers. Around the core is a partially molten boundary layer, with a radius of about 500 kilometers. This structure is thought to have developed through the fractional crystallization of a global magma ocean shortly after the moon's formation 4.5 billion years ago. crystallization of this magma ocean would have created a mafic mantle from the precipitation and sinking of minerals olivine, clinoperoxine, and orthoperoxine. After about three-quarters of the magma ocean had crystallized, lower-density plagioclast minerals could form and float into a crust atop. The final liquids to crystallize would have been initially sandwiched between the crust and mantle, with a high abundance of incompatible and heat-producing elements. Consistent with this perspective, geochemical mapping made from orbit suggests a crust of mostly anorthosite. The moon rock samples of the flood lavas that erupted onto the surface from partial melting and the mantle confirm the mafic mantle composition, which is more iron-rich than that of Earth. The crust is on average about 50 kilometers thick. The moon is the second densest satellite in the solar system after Io. However, the inner core of the moon is small with a radius of about 350 kilometers or less, around 20% of the radius of the moon. Its composition is not well understood, but it's probably metallic iron alloyed with a small amount of sulfur and nickel. Analyses of the moon's time-variable rotation suggest that it is at least partially molten. The topography of the moon has been measured with laser altimetry and stereo image analysis. Its most visible topographic feature is the giant far-side South Pole Aitken Basin, some 2,240 kilometers in diameter the largest crater on the moon, and the second largest confirmed impact crater in the solar system. 
At 13 kilometers deep, its floor is the lowest point on the surface of the moon. The highest elevations of the surface are located directly to the northeast, and it has been suggested might have been thickened by the oblique formation impact of the South Pole Aiken Basin. Other large impact basins, such as Imbrium, Serenititis, Crisium, Smithy, and Orientale, also possess regionally low elevations and elevated rims. The far side of the lunar surface is on average about 1.9 kilometers higher than that of the near side. The discovery of fault scarp cliffs by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter suggests that the moon has shrunk within the past billion years by about 90 meters. Similar shrinkage features exist on Mercury. A recent study of over 12,000 images from the orbiter has observed that Mare Frigoris, near the North Pole, a vast basin assumed to be geologically dead, has been cracking and shifting. Since the moon doesn't have tectonic plates, its tectonic activity is slow and cracks develop as it loses heat over the years. The dark and relatively featureless lunar plains, clearly seen with the naked eye, are called Maria, Latin for seas, singular mare, as they were once believed to be filled with water. They are now known to be vast, solidified pools of ancient basaltic lava. Although similar to terrestrial basalts, Lunar basalts have more iron and no minerals altered by water. The majority of these lavas erupted or flowed into the depressions associated with impact basins. Several geologic provinces containing shield volcanoes and volcanic domes are found within the near side Maria. Almost all Maria are on the near side of the moon and cover 31% of the surface of the near side, compared with 2% of the far side. This is thought to be due to concentration of heat-producing elements under the crust on the near side, seen on geochemical maps obtained by lunar prospector's gamma-ray spectrometer, which would have caused the underlying mantle to heat up, partially melt, rise to the surface, and erupt. Most of the moon's mare basalts erupted during the Imbrium period, 3 to 3.5 billion years ago, although some radiometrically dated samples are as old as 4.2 billion years ago. Until recently, the youngest eruptions dated by crater counting appeared to have been only 1.2 billion years ago. In 2006, a study of Ina a tiny depression in Lacus Felicitatis found jagged, relatively dust-free features that, because of the lack of erosion by unfalling debris, appeared to be only two million years old. Moonquakes and releases of gas also indicate some continued lunar activity. In 2014, NASA announced widespread evidence of young lunar volcanism at 70 irregular mare patches, identified by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, some less than 50 million years old. 
This raises the possibility of a much warmer lunar mantle than previously believed, at least on the near side where the deep crust is substantially warmer because of the greater concentration of radioactive elements. Just prior to this, evidence has been presented for 2 to 10 million years younger basaltic volcanism inside Lowell Crater, Orientale Basin, located in the transition zone between the near and far sides of the moon. An initially hotter mantle and or local enrichment of heat-producing elements in the mantle could be responsible for prolonged activities also on the far side in the Orientale Basin. The lighter-colored regions of the moon are called terrae, or more commonly highlands, because they are higher than most maria. They have been radiometrically dated to having formed 4.4 billion years ago and may represent plagioclase cumulates of the lunar magma ocean. In contrast to Earth, no major lunar mountains are believed to have formed as a result of tectonic events. The concentration of the maria on the near side likely reflects the substantially thicker crust of the highlands of the far side, which may have formed in a slow-velocity impact of a second moon of Earth a few tens of millions of years after their formation. The other major geologic process that has affected the moon's surface is impact cratering, with craters formed when asteroids and comets collided with the lunar surface. There are estimated to be roughly 300,000 craters wider than one kilometer on the moon's near side alone. The lunar geologic timescale is based on the most prominent impact events, including Nectaris, Imbrium, and Orientales, structures, structures characterized by multiple rings of uplifted material between hundreds and thousands of kilometers in diameter and associated with a broad apron of ejecta deposits that form a regional stratigraphic horizon. The lack of an atmosphere, weather, and recent geological processes mean that many of these craters are well-preserved. Although only a few multi-ring basins have been definitively dated, they are useful for assigning relative ages. Because impact craters accumulate at a nearly constant rate, counting the number of craters per unit area can be used to estimate the age of the surface. The radiometric ages of impact melted rocks collected during the Apollo missions cluster between 3.8 and 4.1 billion years old. This has been used to propose a late heavy bombardment of impacts. Blanket on top of the moon's crust is a highly comminuted, broken into several particles, an impact garden surface layer called regolith, formed by impact processes. The finer regolith, the lunar soil of silicon dioxide glass, has a texture resembling snow and a scent resembling spent gunpowder. The regolith of older surfaces is generally thicker than for younger surfaces. It varies in thickness from 10 to 20 kilometers in the highlands and 3 to 5 kilometers in the maria. Beneath the finely commuted regolith layer is the megaregolith, a layer of highly fractured bedrock many kilometers thick. 
Comparison of high-resolution images obtained by the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter has shown a contemporary crater production rate significantly higher than previously estimated. A secondary cratering process caused by distal ejecta is thought to churn the top two centimeters of regolith a hundred times more quickly than previous models suggested on a time scale of 81,000 years. Lunar swirls are enigmatic features found across the moon's surface. They are characterized by a high albedo, appear optically immature, i.e. the optical characteristics of a relatively young regolith, and have often a sinuous shape. Their shape is often accentuated by low albedo regions that wind between the bright swirls. Liquid water cannot persist on the lunar surface. When exposed to solar radiation, water quickly decomposes through a process known as photodisassociation and is lost to space. However, since the 1960s, scientists have hypothesized that water ice may be deposited by impacting comets or possibly produced by the reaction of oxygen-rich lunar rocks and hydrogen from solar wind, leaving traces of water which could possibly persist in cold, permanent shadowed craters at either pole on the moon. Computer simulations suggest that up to 14,000 square kilometers of the surface may be in permanent shadow. The presence of usable quantities of water on the moon is an important factor in rendering lunar habitation as a cost-effective plan. The alternative of transporting water from Earth would be prohibitively expensive. In years since, signatures of water have been found to exist on the lunar surface. In 1994, the Bistatic radar experiment, located on the Clementine spacecraft, indicated the existence of small frozen pockets of water close to the surface. However, later radar observations by Arecibo suggest that these findings may rather be rocks ejected from young impact craters. In 1998, the neutron spectrometer on the Lunar Prospector spacecraft showed that high concentrations of hydrogen are present in the first meter of depth in the regolith near the polar regions. Volcanic lava beds brought back to Earth aboard Apollo 15 showed small amounts of water in their interior. The 2008 Chandrayaan 1 spacecraft has since confirmed the existence of surface water ice using the onboard Moon Mineralogy Mapper. The spectrometer observed absorption lines common to hydroxyl in reflected sunlight providing evidence of large quantities of water ice on the lunar surface. The spacecraft showed that concentrations may possibly be as high as 1,000 ppm. Using the mapper's reflectance spectra, indirect lighting of areas in shadow confirmed water ice within 20 degrees latitude of both poles in 2018. In 2009, Elcross sent a 2300-kilogram impactor into a permanently shadowed polar crater 
and detected at least 100 kilograms of water in a plume of ejected material. Another examination of the L-Cross data showed the amount of detected water to be closer to 155 plus or minus 12 kilograms.